Marthos.
in my opinion. Like, sometimes God determines when something should be done, and He'll move in His children's hearts to pray for it. And as they pray, then He answers. I also believe sometimes it works the opposite way, where God is but waiting for some of His children to pray, and He is ready and willing to answer their requests if they will but pray. And here Paul says, Hey, church, thank you for sending me funds to pay for this apartment so I can be here and not in actual prison. And I appreciate that so much. I want you to know the gospel is going forward, but I also want you to know that as you pray for me, I know God is going to work my deliverance. And Paul, you know, can you, can you hear the comfort and the joy in his heart? You know, I know that God is going to work my deliverance. And your prayers have a part in this. Um, I don't know about you, but I think it would be really neat to be at that prayer meeting and watch Peter show up at the door and to know that, that God answered your prayer. And I think for these Philippians, the Bible does indicate the way I read and put all the story together. Paul did get out and he did go see the Philippians afterwards. And they got to see him, at least some of them did, and they said, here you are, here you are, Paul. We prayed for you. We're so glad to see you, right? So at this moment, he's, he's uh, in bonds and he's in chains, and he says, I believe that, that I will be delivered. Now in verse 20, he says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Let's talk about this earnest expectation for just a minute. The word is only used a couple times in the Bible. And I think the best way to share this meaning is to share a quick story. And the story is this. Is when I was young, my dad was a pastor. And being a pastor, he would invite people over to his house at different times. And sometimes it was church people or neighbors. And it was more of a ministry context, but there was other times where friends would come from out of town. My parents had a couple of good friends, and I'm not three, four good friends that would sometimes travel into town to see them, or we would travel to see them. And I remember as a four-year-old boy, when we had some guests coming, now one story that really stands out in my mind, and the, the guests that were coming were an older couple named Tar and Char. Tar and Char were an older couple that were full of life, full of joy, they would come in with stories and with smiles, and they would take an interest in us as kids, and we just loved having our heart come to our house. So when they would come, we would have to get ready for them to come. And oh boy, you know, we would start uh, cleaning, and you know, mom would be in the kitchen cooking, and we would, kids would be cleaning, and out would come the old, ancient, curvy vacuum that was heavy as a little tank, you know. We would be cleaning the house, and there was this air of excitement in the house. Now, I'm sure my parents were excited, but it was a little more rivaled with probably all the work that had to be done, you know, to balance that. But for me, as a four-year-old, the anticipation was intense. And I would get excited, and I remember sometimes I get so excited, I'd run around in circles in the living room, and I'd say, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. I would jump up, and this is one thing we did a lot, I'd jump up on this chair, pull the shades back, and I'd look out, and I'd look towards the corner, because whenever they were going to come on the motorcycle, they would turn that corner, and you could see them coming up the street. And we would sit there, my little sister and I, and we'd look, and we'd wait, and we'd wait. And you know what? There was only one thing on our mind. There was only one thing that we were looking forward to, and it was our and sharp coming, and that was it. And you know, that this idea of this earnest expectation, and this hope that he talked about, this is that idea, that focused, soul-thrilling, all-consuming hope. And again, this hope is not maybe, but it's 
And whether I am magnified in my life or is magnified in my death, I want Jesus to be magnified in my body. Now, how many of you kids know a tool that magnifies something? All right, we have one tomorrow. What's your answer? What's a tool that magnifies something? She's got to write her name. My goodness, what is that? Binoculars. Binoculars. That's right. Binoculars. They make something look bigger. I actually have two more tools. What other tools? We have a non-child blind answer. Emma. A telescope. A telescope. That's right. A telescope. That that'll take those things way far in space and make them look bigger. And the last one is a microscope. All right. So all these tools they take something that is small or something that's and they make it look big or bigger to us, right? And Jesus and God and the work of God, and he is great and he is good and he is big on his own. We can't make him bigger than he is. But we can help people see him as bigger than how they see him now. And Paul says, I want to make Jesus be magnified in my body. And he says, I want it to happen in death and I want it to happen in life. And either way it goes, I want Jesus as I was meditating on the passage and thinking through this, Paul is very passionate here, isn't he? And he's just saying, I want Jesus to be known. I'm in chains, but hey, the gospel's going out, so I'm okay with it. Hey, I'm in chains, but I know one way or another God's going to deliver me out of this. And you can see how passionate he is. And I was thinking about my own life and how to apply the, the message to my own heart and, and to the way I think. I got to thinking about it this way. What if, what if I could have a longer life with less impact for Jesus? Would I want it? What if I could have a great deal more money in my life with less love for Jesus? Would I, would I want that? What if I could have way more influence and way more uh, power, but it wouldn't be for Jesus? Would I want that? As I think about what Paul said here, he'd say, no thanks. Not interested. I don't think Paul would even have to think about it. He'd just be like, no, that, that's not for me. Because the whole purpose of my life is for Jesus to be magnified. That he would be known and seen and loved. And if that's not happening, I'm not interested. I don't want it. No thank you. You know what's in the big news right now? The big power ball, isn't it? Oh yeah, the big, I think someone won it this morning, they said. Some, uh, a billion dollars or something. Um, someone else was saying that you, if you took pennies and you placed them on I some interstate and you drove from one place to another, you would have to pick one penny with the next on it, and that would be the chance of you winning the lottery. It's like one in three hundred minutes. And um, if the point is you're not going to win, okay? Um, I just tell that to everyone I meet so far. It's been true, okay? Um, but what, what I'm saying about all that is some people would cut off their left arm almost to win the lottery. But Paul, he would say, you know what, if it's going to take my heart away from Jesus, I want it. Because I only exist to magnify Jesus. He reminds me of John the Baptist saying, he must increase, but I must decrease. And 
maybe God is calling us in some way to lower ourselves or to step back or to have less of something or less of, of, of money or whatever it might be in our life in a way so that he can get more glory from us. This Paul is saying, if Jesus gets glory, then I am not glory. He says, by life or by death, if Jesus is magnified in my body. And then we have the, the famous verse, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I could put a, a punctuation mark in there, Paul says to me, in my opinion, the way I see things to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, again, I thought about these things. To live is Christ. And Paul says that's the reason he lived. That's the, the passion, that's the purpose for why he lives. And so for Paul to be chained up, he says, I'm chained up for Jesus. And for him to write letters, he'd say, I write letters for Jesus. And, and he would say, I make the boat trips where I get tossed in the sea, I do it for Jesus. And whatever he does, he does it for Jesus. And can I just say for you that if, if Christ is life to you, then you'll do what you do for Christ. You'll get in your car and you'll drive to church for Jesus. And you'll go to your job and clock in for Jesus. And you'll wash the dishes for Jesus. And you'll play the piano for Jesus. And whatever it is that God allows you to do, you'll say, I'm doing this for Jesus. That's the heart that Paul had. And it's the heart that I need and you need. For to me to live is Christ and to die is you know, I've always read this verse with the thought that when he says to die is gain, Paul is saying it's gain for me. But when he talked about living, he didn't say it's better for me to live, because he actually was on to say that that might be more difficult for him in some ways. And when he says to die is gain, I wonder if he means that it is gain for Christ, Jesus to die. In other words, if Christ's kingdom could go forward in some way, Paul would be happy to die to make that happen. Which is what in time he would do. We have to remember that Paul is he is chained up, he's in this home confinement, he's on his way to meet Caesar face to face. And he knows that at this trial he could be condemned to death. And yet, right here, he says, You know what? If I am released and I live, then I will do so for Jesus. But if I go through this trial and I die and I'm executed, it will be for gain. It will be for the gain of the gospel. It will be for the gain of the kingdom. It will be a gain for the church. This is what Christ was called to do. He goes on in verse 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Um, I don't precisely understand what, what he's saying about this fruit of labor. Between two opinions. 
says, I, I desire to be with Christ. I long to be with Christ. And if we could say it this way, if Paul had his own way, he'd be with Jesus as well. He was kind of like, hey, I'd just like to be with Jesus. I think we've all probably had moments like that. We'd probably just say, you know, I've had enough of this same church world and all these trials and trials. I'd just like to be with Jesus. Paul had those feelings. In fact, he said, I desire it. That's a strong word. It's where we get the word for love. I desire it. To be with Christ, which is far better. But they had a need. These Philippians had a need. And he, so he talks about departing. Um, let's see here. A desire to depart and be with Christ. And that departing is the idea of a soul maybe going to be with God. It, it's used of a tent being taken down and um, packed up. It's used also of a ship pulling anchor and sailing away. And Paul even used a picture of the
why I think it's pretty clear that Paul was released from prison. If you read 2 Timothy 4, Paul does not have this attitude of I'm getting out soon. In 2 Timothy 4, he says, the time of my departure is at hand. And he says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Very different attitude in 2 Timothy 4. Here he says, I'd like to, I'd like to be with Jesus, but I know it's more needful for me to be here. I'm going to stay with Jesus. Let's conclude with some of these principles. Our desires and God's plan are not always united at once. Paul earnestly desired to be with Jesus, but that was not God's plan. Sometimes we must set aside our desires to embrace what is best for others and ultimately what the Lord would want to be done. Secondly, Jesus should be made great in the eyes of others by all biblical means to do so. Paul says, whether I live or I die, I want Jesus to be magnified in my body. He has a deep and passionate desire to see God lifted up. How would your desire for the Lord Jesus be lifted up? Is it small? Is it weak? Or is it, is it deep? Is it ongoing? Is it day to day? Lastly, if our death should make Jesus greater than our life, then our death should be our desire. You say, really? I mean, is that really how it should be? Paul says, whatever it takes for Jesus to be magnified. And he lived it, and he believed it. And one day he did lose his life because he preached the Lord Jesus. Paul 